The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 218 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm an activist for family caregiving. Our topic today is parenting children with special needs. My previous profession, medicine, does have medical care to offer children with special needs, but by itself, medical care is usually insufficient. Nor does medicine have many ways of preventing the conditions that lead to the special needs because of things that have gone awry in the bodies of the parents or of the children. So the non-medical things that are required in caring for children with special needs include specialised rehabilitation hospitals, specialised residential homes and family caregiving. More and more, the importance of family caregiving is being recognised. So much to are the challenges of family caregiving being recognised in that in the challenges they create for family caregivers, challenges such as caring for their children's particular needs, caring for their families as a whole, and caring for themselves. And also recognised more and more is the importance of hope for the children in celebrating their lives and hope for family caregivers for the successes they can achieve with family caregiving, which is why our topic Parenting children with special needs is so important. To discuss it, our guest is Louise Kinross. Louise is Special Projects Manager at Holland Bloorview Kids Rehabilitation Hospital in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. She's the editor of Bloom, that's B-L-O-O-M, a magazine on parenting children with disabilities. Bloom, she says, gives voice to the joys and challenges of special needs parenting and promotes the concept that every child blooms in his or her own unique way. Her Bloom blog reaches readers in 150 countries and has been picked up by the New York Times, Huffington Post and AOL Online. And Louise has a 19-year-old son, Ben, who has a rare genetic disorder. So welcome to the show, Louise. Thanks. It's great to be here. Great. Now, let's go straight into the first question. Please tell us more about your personal story. Okay. I'm 49 years old, and I, I think, as you mentioned, I live in Toronto, and I have four children. My oldest son has a rare genetic condition and multiple disabilities, and I also have two adopted children and another biological daughter. 
My background is in journalism, and after my son Ben was born, I became very interested in disability issues. A job came up at Holland Bloorview, which is Canada's largest children's rehab hospital, that involved editing what is today Bloom, and that was the perfect marriage of journalism and storytelling about special needs parenting for me. At the time I took over, it was more of a corporate newsletter, but over the years we've turned it into the voice of parents raising children with disabilities. In 2009, we developed the blog, and as you mentioned, we have readers in 150 countries, so there's a really strong international community. And in April, we were named a must-read by the New York Times Parenting Blog. Our next goal is to add stories from clinicians, researchers, and students about what it means to work in children's rehab, because we think that will improve understanding between parents and professionals. And I've been at Holland Bloorview now for 14 years. Louise, just explain to us what you mean by rehab. Uh, I mean um, there's basically outpatient rehab and inpatient rehab. Outpatient rehab would be a child with, um, let's say, CP, cerebral palsy, who requires possibly physiotherapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, and would be coming on a weekly basis um, for those therapies. Inpatient therapy here would be for children and youth who are either recovering from a surgery and need to have an inpatient rehab period or who were healthy children and were in a traumatic accident or had some kind of serious illness that led them to acquire a disability, and now they have to learn a new way of, of adapting to disability. Thank you. Now, let's talk about your work at Holland Bloorview Kids Rehabilitation Hospital. Tell us what you do. Sure. I think I have the best job in the world um, <laughs> because Bloom allows me to write about my life raising a child with disabilities, and I also get to interview parents from around the world about their experiences. And I also get to report on the latest advances in care and research, both at our hospital here and around the world. Bloom has a print magazine, we have the blog, as mentioned, and we also have a monthly e-letter that we send to parents and professionals. And last year we developed a speaker series that brings leading thinkers on child disability and parenting to our families. I'm also part of the Family Resource Center at Holland Bloorview, which provides practical information and support to parents. And it also connects them to a medical library here, education workshops, family support specialists, and very importantly, parent mentors who can answer their questions. So we have a very active family leadership program. Um, parents that want to give back to the hospital will volunteer their time to mentor other parents. Holland Bloorview is committed to family-centered care, which is all about a partnership between families and professionals, and that that's the way you get the best services. And so this is a big part of the work that we do in the Family Resource Center. And I sit on the Family Advisory Committee, which is active in advising our management on hospital programs and policies. And as I mentioned, we have a very active family leadership program. So we have over 80 parents 
who volunteer to sit on key hospital committees, to act as mentors with other parents, and also to share their stories as part of Grand Rounds and different education sessions for our staff. And Holland Blurview is a very vibrant, creative place where people are able to see possibilities that may not be immediately apparent to other people. So it's a very unique and rewarding place to work. Now, please tell us about your life as Ben's mom, please, please. Sure. So I would say that Ben has really defined my life and in many ways has changed me as a person. When he was young, my days were consumed with taking him to therapies, speech therapy, occupational therapy, physiotherapy, doing lots of therapy at home, trying alternative therapies, coping with a lot of illnesses that he had. He had over 15 surgeries. And also I was constantly researching anything I could on the different problems that he had and ways of addressing them. And I think that as a parent in the early days, I fell into that trap that many parents fall into of assuming that my son had to do things the normal way. And so I aggressively pursued therapy, even when the evidence wasn't great that it would be effective. And if I had to do it over again, I'd be much more focused on my child's quality of life and nurturing my son's strengths rather than this intensive rehab process, which sometimes ends up putting the focus on what a child can't do too much. Um, we've also struggled to find Ben a school setting that allows him to be included with typical peers but also meets his special learning needs. And currently he's at high school. He's able to continue in high school to age 21. But then we really face the challenge because he has multiple disabilities of trying to help him create a meaningful life. So that's kind of the precipice that we're on right now. And I would say that having Ben has shaken up all my values in a really positive way. And it also forced me to become an advocate. And that wasn't a skill that I was naturally good at. And my son Ben has no speech, but I believe that it was through raising him that I've gained a voice and been able to advocate for him. I want to just ask you a little bit more about how you saw yourself during the time you've just been describing and also now. You use the word parent, a very good word, um, but for this program, I use uh, family caregiver. Um, which of those terms do you prefer and why? I, th I think, I don't know that I prefer either. I think that they both cover the role, I, I guess caregiver in some ways is more specific than parent because it, it, um, it helps describe some of the extra caregiving needs that go with kids with special needs. So I, I'm, I'm actually happy with either of those. Okay. Reason for asking you is that um, there's a tendency to use the word caregiver in two ways. First of all, to define family caregivers, and I'll apply that term to you, please, Louise, or it's also used to define terms like 
personal people like personal service workers or uh, occupational therapists or physical physio physiotherapists all of whom are doing great work but are nevertheless paid um providers of services and so therefore what we're saying to each other i think is that the idea of family caregiver is to emphasize that the family caregiver is different from and equally valuable as the professional caregiver. And therefore, the terms should be separate. Now, just very quickly, do you agree with me? I certainly agree that, um, that the parent has an investment in the child that no other person who's paid can have, and that they also have that 24-7 understanding of the child that you really need to be able to provide the best care. So I, I do think that there's a difference, and I do think that parents have a very critical role. Right. And it's a very tough role. And if I'm pushing you a little bit, it's <laughs> in this way that I think it is true that the role of the family caregiver is increasingly respected. So my very quick question to you is, do you think the role of the family caregiver is respected sufficiently by the healthcare systems? Well, no, I don't believe that it is because I feel that families are too often carrying the brunt of the care needs and are saving the healthcare system a huge amount of money and that there aren't enough supports in place to provide respite for parents so that they are able to manage and cope with these extra demands over the long term because for a lot of parents, if their children have complex needs, it's like a marathon. You know, it's not something that it's not like with another child where the child is going to grow up and then eventually leave the nest and the parents are going to be independent again. It's a, it's a completely different experience. I mean, in a word, it's a lifetime commitment, isn't it? It sure is, yeah. Yeah. Now, we've come to the point where we have to earn our living by taking the short break, so we'll do that. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Louise Kinross. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We will be back. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. 
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Louise Kinross. Our topic is parenting children with special needs. So let's now talk about the challenges to parents who are parenting children with special needs. Uh, First question, Louise, is this. For parents parenting children with special needs, please highlight the most challenging of the challenges that they experience. Louise? Sure, Gordon. I think our culture and its values and the way it stigmatizes disability is one of our greatest challenges, and I do want to mention that. Disability still conveys the stigma of somehow being less than human in our culture, and I find that we also live in a culture that glorifies self-improvement and that sends the message that people are never good enough even when they don't have disabilities. And I think that that culture feeds into the way parents view children's rehab and puts too much focus on cure and overcoming disability instead of valuing diversity. In addition to the challenge of a world that doesn't value difference are all the practical challenges of taking a child to many therapy appointments and medical appointments, advocating for that child at school, the many extra financial costs that come with having a child with special needs. So I believe it can be more than a full-time job, and that can be exhausting for parents. Some parents are also caring for kids who are very medically complex, and they don't get the nursing hours that they need at home in order to be able to have any kind of a meaningful break. So um, another issue that's important, studies have shown that one of the biggest stressors on parents is children who have behavior problems because our society isn't very good at being flexible and not blaming parents when it comes to a child's behavior. One study showed that mothers of youth with autism and significant behavior problems had the stress level of combat soldiers. And finally, I would say that sometimes children with disabilities can struggle with friendships and their parents, because they're, in some ways their lives can be very different from other families and peers, can also sometimes become isolated, and isolation is never good for a person's health. So I think that those are some of the major challenges. Louise, I want to ask you now, um, in relation to parents parenting children with special needs, the challenges they experience in caring for their entire families and also perhaps working when they have jobs and perhaps even jobs that make them the family breadwinner. Please talk about their challenges. Sure. I think there are so many extra demands on parents raising kids with disabilities and when you then throw in all the regular needs of other children in the family and work, it becomes very difficult to juggle everything. 
We know that many employers are not willing to give parents of kids with disabilities the flexibility that they need to take their child to therapy or medical appointments or if the child has a medical emergency. And oftentimes, one of the parents, and it's often the mom, forgoes work to be able to care for their child adequately. There was some interesting research done at York University recently about immigrant moms of children with disabilities and some of the barriers that they face. And one thing I found very interesting was that they spoke about how government-funded English as a second language programs had very strict attendance policies. And when a mom had to take their child to frequent appointments or stay home because the child was ill, they were kicked out of the program. So they these moms couldn't get the language that would enable them to work here and better advocate for their child. In addition, I think that siblings have very unique needs and sometimes can feel that the world revolves around the child with disability, and that can lead to some resentment or feeling left out. I think that disability can also be a very broadening experience for siblings but they often have similar worries as their parents do, and a lot of communication is needed at a level that's appropriate for them. They really need to be kept into the loop, in the loop to minimize their anxiety. There are some excellent online and in-person support groups for siblings. In the U.S., there's the Online Sibling Support Project. You can just Google search that. They have great resources and chat groups and um, a number of different programs, books, and resources for siblings. And there's a new program in Toronto called Young Carers, and it offers special programs to children who have a family member with disability or chronic illness. At Holland Bloorview, we also have a wonderful sibling panel where siblings of all ages share their experiences with other siblings. And in order to give the sibling the one-on-one time with parents that they really need, many families have developed what are known as circles of support where they bring together friends and family who commit to providing them with supports so that they are able to give adequate time to each of their children. Now, I'm I'm going to really be asking you essentially the same question once more, but in a different uh, with a different focus. Uh, again, we're talking about parents parenting children with special needs, and I'd like you to highlight the challenges they experience maintaining the quality of the lives of their families, the quality of the uh, of the lives of their family members, and the quality of lives of themselves. Louise? Sure, sure. I think parents want to be able to include their children in regular activities in the community as much as possible, but oftentimes our built environment isn't accessible to children who use wheelchairs or walkers, and that really impacts on the quality of life of the whole family. A mom was telling me recently about taking her child who uses a wheelchair to one of the big box bookstores and being told that the children's section was on the second floor, but there was no elevator. 
So her kid was really excited about checking out the books, but was given this message that he wasn't really wanted there. And in this case, the staff brought some books down to the child, but when you're constantly facing inaccessibility, it really says something about who's valued in our culture and who isn't. Another issue um, around quality of life is that oftentimes kids with disabilities need adapted equipment that can allow them to do, you know, regular childhood things, but that equipment is very expensive. And sometimes community programs aren't designed to include children with disabilities. Or if they do include them, the parent has to hire and send in their own support worker. So, again, there are more costs associated with it. I think the other quality of life issue for kids, especially as they grow and become teenagers and young adults, is friendship. I've seen that inclusion is often very effective in the early years and in elementary school, but when students reach high school, it's often not given much of a priority, and students are often put in contained classes, so they're separated from the regular life, the rest of the regular life of the school. And in terms of quality of life, I would say that the parents' quality of life is usually at the bottom of the list. And I believe that self-care and having respite and having breaks from our children is so important to be able to cope with the extra demands over the long term. And oftentimes, parents just wear themselves out because we want to do everything for our kids. Our kids are our world. And there's never enough time to do everything that we wish we could do for our child, and there's always a feeling that we could be doing more. We had a really interesting speaker here recently, former Olympian Silken Lauman. She is now a step-parent to a teenager with autism, and she talked about how regenerating ourselves is so important and that if we've lost ourselves in caring for our child and we become completely burnt out, we can't bring our best selves to our children. So even though it's counterintuitive and as parents we want to do more and more and more, we have to find ways to take care of ourselves, to get exercise, to get sleep, to do things that we really enjoy and that we're really passionate about. Louise, you know, what you've just said raises in my mind the, a question of guilt, and I've heard this discussed many times on this episode, this show, uh, in many contexts. That is the sense that if I, the family caregiver, I, the parent, um, are taking any time off or looking after myself in any way, I am neglecting my duty and it makes me feel guilty. And one of the things that then comes out of that particular conversation is uh, the ob obvious opposite, that if family caregivers don't take care of themselves, don't look after themselves and are consumed with guilt, they're unable to do as well as they want to do and may in the end become, a, if you like, a patient of the healthcare system where had they been looked after and looked after themselves, they could have avoided that. 
Now, we've come to the end of this particular segment, so we'll take the break now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Louise Kinross. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Pearl River. Please stay with us. We will be back. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Louise Kinross. Our topic is parenting children with special needs. So let's now talk about the ways in which the challenges can be successfully confronted by parents, family caregivers, parenting children with special needs. Now, first of all, um, Let's talk about your more about your work at the Holland Bloorview Kids Rehabilitation Hospital. And what ways does it help parents parenting children with special needs confront the types of challenges you've talked about? Well, I think to start with the hospital's vision is a world of possibility. And I think focusing on what's possible for our kids helps parents to see the value in their children and to feel hopeful and empowered in parenting them. Holland Blurview has a very comprehensive set of services for children's rehab all under one roof, so that makes the process much easier for parents. So we have all of the outpatient therapies that we talked about earlier, an inpatient unit. We have programs that focus on life skills, we have a Center for the Arts that recognizes the power of art and music in healing, a world-class research institute, an on-site school, two heated pools, and we have snoozeland rooms, which many of your viewers, or rather listeners, are probably familiar with, which are sensory environments that provide a very relaxing experience for our children. And we also have a very unique building we spent 10 years 
designing a new building that we're in, and the goal was to make it the anti-institution. And it has floor-to-ceiling walls, or rather, floor-to-ceiling windows everywhere which flood the hospital with natural light, which is often missing in many other hospitals. And it also has a lot of unique materials like wood and glass and ceramic that you wouldn't expect in a sterile hospital environment. And I think that the building itself conveys the message that our children and families deserve to be in a beautiful environment. And I have to say that from a staff perspective, there's a huge difference in how it feels to work and be in this kind of building compared to the more institutional type of buildings that we were in previously. And then, as I mentioned earlier, when parents are interested, um, it often when they're a little bit further along in their journey, we encourage them to have real influence in the hospital as family leaders. So they sit on decision-making committees here. They mentor other parents. They share their stories to improve the understanding that health professionals have. We also have parenting workshops and education on special needs topics. We have many support groups. We even have a Facebook group called Parent Voices where parents can discuss topics and support each other and share resources. And we have an online family resource center. So we have a lot of different ways that we support parents. You mentioned something that I I recognize the name, but I can't spell it. Snurzelin, yes, uh, sensory environment. Yeah. Please spell it. N-O-E-Z-E-L-E-N. Right. And that's a sensory environment that's restful and also stimulating. Is that right? For children? That's right. And we have it for our outpatients, but especially our inpatients, because being in a hospital is not a normal experience for a child. And their days can be very mechanized with going to rehab and different procedures and you know, having to go through things that may not be pleasant for them. And that often leads them to feel that they're not really in control. And what's beautiful about the snoozling room is that when the staff take kids into the snoozling room, what they do in there is directed by the child. So it's almost like they're given back control. And there are all these different cause and effects um, in the snoozling room that the child can control, and it's also just a very deeply relaxing place. When my son was an inpatient here, I used to love going in the snoozling room and lying on the mats. They have vibrating mats, and they have kind of a, um, a light show, and there's music, and they're, they're just, there are fiber optic strands that you can kind of, you know, wrap around yourself that are kind of blinking and and it really takes you out of the hospital environment into an otherworldly environment that you wouldn't expect. Now, talking of otherworldly environments, I want you now to take us into your environment of the blog called Bloom. Why is it called Bloom? And in what ways does it help parents parenting children with special needs confront their challenges? Bloom is about the value of every child, and 
a value that isn't dependent on what a child does. It's called Bloom because we believe every child blooms in his or her own unique way, and it's a place where parents can celebrate their children, and that's often hard to find in the mainstream. It's also a place where we write candidly about what can be tough subjects. For example, I mentioned earlier the social isolation that sometimes children with disabilities and their families experience, or there have been many studies looking at the increased rate of violence against children with disabilities. And a recent article looked at a Hall and Blurview study about bullying and ostracism of children with spina bifida who are incontinent and how in our culture that's not an okay thing. And not only is it not okay or not cool, but it's also not spoken about. So there's a tremendous amount of shame and pressure on these kids. We also cover really practical topics like how to visit Europe when your child uses a wheelchair or if you have a child who won't follow the traditional path of university, independence, and career, how you can find value in, in unconventional lives so that there isn't just one kind of good life, but really recognizing that there are many ways to have a good life. And I think parents feel heard and understood when they come to Bloom, and I think there's a very strong sense of community. As we mentioned, we have readers in 150 countries, and I think that that connection is a really powerful force for parents feeling heard and understood and um, really affirmed in the work that they do. Bloom also promotes partnership with professionals, the idea being that parents are the experts on their child, but the best care happens when we work closely with professionals. So we really not only want to understand the experience from the family perspective, but also from the clinician, researcher, student perspective, again, so that we can collaborate better. Right. And Yeah. And then lastly, I would just say that Bloom keeps parents up to date on all the latest advances in clinical care and research and, and also just information on a huge variety of disability-related topics. Okay. Now, still with blog, I want you the blog Bloom I'd like you to talk a little bit more about the stories that the blog Bloom carries um, that are addressing these challenges and how the stories benefit parents and their families. Sure. Too often I think that we feel invisible in our culture as families of children with disabilities because we don't see families like ours in popular media, on TV or in books and even in mainstream parenting magazines. And I think that invisibility is one of the worst forms of discrimination because we're left with this feeling that we don't exist. So I think having a magazine and a blog that's devoted to the real issues of special needs parenting makes parents feel seen and understood. We also really emphasize beautiful photography 
because we want to promote the beauty and strength and diversity of our families. And although the magazine is targeted to parents, I hope that kids will see it lying around the house and recognize other children like them in it. So Bloom is also a place where parents can celebrate the tiniest baby step of progress or the littlest victory that they may have in advocating for their child. And parents of children with special needs don't take anything for granted. And there are things that we celebrate that parents of typical children would never even notice, let alone be grateful for. So I think that kind of environment and that kind of affirmation is very important for parents. Does it help, just very quickly, does it help the family family caregivers and the family members feel that they're not alone when they hear these stories? Very much so, because I think that for so many of our issues, they're not issues that you could discuss with your neighbor, and your neighbor would, A, have ever experienced that, and B, have some good practical advice or even just emotional support to offer. So I think there's a very powerful connection, and people really get to know each other over the blog and value the relationships that they have online. Now, we've come once again to the end of the segment, so we'll take the break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Louise Kinross. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Louise Kinross. Our topic is parenting children with special needs. Let's talk 
about more things that you, Louise, want to do and you, Louise, want to see done to help parents, parenting children with special needs. So first of all, let's ask that, that as a question generally. What more do you want to do and what more do you want to see done generally to help parents, parenting children with special needs? My greatest dream would be to see a change in our culture so that children are valued inherently and not because of anything they do or because they fit the norm. So I'd like to see a culture where diversity is embraced and cooperation and relationships are valued over competition and individualism. I've given some talks to medical and research students recently where I talk about how a human being can't be reduced to a diagnosis and that the way we see children with disabilities is a choice. We can choose to focus on disability on what isn't or we can choose to focus on what is and what is when we're talking about every child is immense and the approach that we take completely alters the interaction that we have with children and families. But I find that stereotypes about disability are so deeply ingrained in people, and we've even seen this in research from France over the last year um, that showed how at an automatic or unconscious level people carry negative biases against people and specifically children with disabilities, even if at a conscious level they would say that they're very accepting of children with disabilities. So I think the challenges are huge. I also feel that advances in prenatal testing and termination suggest that there's a belief in our culture that life with disability isn't worth living. And so I'm not sure how we can go about changing those mindsets. I'd love to see more education in schools. I'd love to see high schools where students have to get a lot of community service hours. I'd love to see them working closely with disability and rehab groups so that we can open a window on what life is like with disability and also promote friendships and understanding. And I think inclusion of children with disabilities in regular classes at the high school level needs to be a priority. And finally, I would love to see Bloom better distributed around the world, including in mainstream bookstores. I'd love to see us be able to pull special needs parenting more into the mainstream. And I'd love for Bloom to have more visibility among both health professionals and mainstream parents. Now, talking about health professionals, um, I'm going to ask you this question. What more do you want to see done by healthcare systems, obviously people including health professionals, to help parents doing the parenting with special needs? What more do you want to see all of them do? I think there's a great need for better and more frequent respite for parents and that in the long run this is very cost-effective because it helps parents manage what, as I said earlier, can often feel like a marathon. And you alluded to the problems that we sometimes get into when a caregiver is so burnt out that they become in, in need of uh, treatment or um, help from the healthcare system. 
So I definitely like to see more respite. And I'd like to see more attention paid in general to the health of parent caregivers because there are many studies showing that we're at higher risk for having physical problems and also mental health issues. And although there's a lot of awareness of that, I don't see a lot of um, action in terms of trying to prevent or minimize these problems. I'd like to see children's rehab providers working more closely with other partners, for instance, the school system. And I think there's a great need to improve services for adults with disabilities and to recognize that the demands on parents don't let up when a child with multiple or complex disabilities becomes an adult. And I'm also am really hopeful that the move to family-centered care will see parents and professionals working really closer together to develop services that much better need meet the needs of families. Louise, there's a a thing used in healthcare by doctors and nurses called the clinical practice guideline. And what that is, is advice to the doctor or the nurse and others. Here, in our considered opinion, is the best way to approach these circumstances, these problems, these health problems. And the people who are expressing that opinion are really the experts who've been gathered together, so to speak, shut up in a room and told to figure out what the best way to go. Now, you may do that, be doing this, and if so, uh, please say, uh, but in any case, do you think that something along the lines of a guideline for family caregivers in the kind of situations we've been talking about would be helpful? A kind of family caregiver guideline. Do you do it? I- I think that would be excellent because I think it would really draw awareness to the critical need for care of parents. And I think it would also allow us to bring evidence to that. So potentially it could generate studies where we can really learn what the best supports are for parents. Again, we have a lot of studies demonstrating that parents have more chronic health problems and have issues with anxiety and depression, but I don't really see those results being taken and turned into um, ways of preventing or helping people with these problems. So it's a little bit frustrating. Yeah. Okay. I I will I give you a warning. I'll be getting back to you at some point to discuss that because I think that's something and I'm hearing this a lot that now needs to be done and uh, I think it's worth doing. Now, my last question to you is Louise, what's your message to parents, family caregivers, parenting children with special needs? What's your message? My message would be focus on the beauty and strength of your child and not necessarily on anything that they can do, but on who they are as a person and what you get out of being with them. And I believe it's really important to take time to celebrate and have fun and live in the moment with our kids. And too often parents become almost like round-the-clock therapists where their goals are always that they're trying to get a therapeutic response from their child. And 
that can take a lot of the joy out of life for both parents and kids. I believe that parents should reach out to other parents of children with disabilities because that's typically where we get the best practical and emotional support. And I also think it's really important for parents to keep a flexible mind, an open mind about different ways that their child may be able to do something. And don't let your own discomfort, let's say with sign language or a voice device or a wheelchair or with not doing something quote-unquote normally, get in the way of your child's development and quality of life. And often as parents, we have to get over that discomfort. I can remember when my son was younger, we were trying to teach him sign language, and yet when I went to a restaurant, I was very self-conscious about using it. And I, I didn't really want to use it in the restaurant because I didn't want to draw any attention to us. And that kind of demonstrates how far I've come from there because at this point, I really don't care what other people think about me. But for a lot of parents, there are those issues that they have to work through. And I would also really encourage parents to remember that different is not less than. It's simply different. That's a very powerful message. Now, unfortunately, we've come to the end of this um, episode of Family Caregivers Unite. And I want to say a very deep thank you to Louise talking, sharing with us your own experience, your insights, your advice, and describing the powerful work you're doing. And so... We all wish you, for everyone's sake, success in all the work and things you're doing and that um, your organization is actually doing in all its various ways. I want to thank you, uh, say thank you to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments on this episode. And from our listeners, I'd like to hear about ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. In our next episode, we'll hear about the Salvation Army's Lawson Ministries advocating for adults with developmental disabilities and their supporting their families. So please join us, same time, same spot on the internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.